you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f- best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Game's all about. All of a sudden, you feel like you can't miss. Hey! Hey! You couldn't make that if you tried that again. Absolutely not. Welcome to Bucket. I am your host, Brandon Anderson, here with Joe Delera for another Friday happy hour of Buckets here at the Action Network. This is a very special edition because it is all NBA props all the time today. So we will be talking about what we do with props, the theory behind it, some of our favorite props that we've been hitting over and over lately, and a little twist at the end that we'll get to when we get there. So, Joe, I think this is your first time on the Buckets podcast. Yes, welcome. Yeah, this is uh, going to be my first time having a real uh, a real role here. We did the, we did the preseason picks thing, but uh, this is going to be a little bit more uh, involved, true. I'd say. It's going to be fun. That's true. Uh, Joe, just so we hear it off the top, where, where do the people find you on Twitter, find your work, et cetera? All right. So my Twitter is at Joe Delera, D-E-L-L-E-R-A and uh, public profile. So you don't even have to get a request in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> people should have to be requesting for all these picks that we're giving out. We should, they should have to be requesting. We are so generous just giving this all out publicly. I know. Just say what's up, you know, follow me, tweet at me. Yeah. I try to engage. Yeah, a lot of props talk on there from both of us. So let's just jump right into it. So both of us, you know, I know people know me as the props guy. I got my articles come out Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You do a lot of props. I see them in the Action Network app. Uh, I see a lot of the plays on your Twitter just every day in our in our staff best bets. So let's just talk about the theory of it a little bit. When you you know, wake up, rub your eyes and start thinking about props, which is how my day goes. Usually what, what's, how does the process start for you? Like when you first look at the slate and you're kind of starting to think about where to play, where, where do things start? Well, a couple of things, there's a couple of guys that I like to look for, um, or I, I kind of look at some injuries, whether somebody's missing or, you know, somebody just got hurt or, or, you know, maybe if somebody is start going into the starting lineup. So I'm a big Knicks fan. With, you know, with Kemba Walker coming out of the starting lineup, there's a lot of different opportunity for other other players like Alec Burks, Julius Randle, et cetera. And that's usually how I'm trying to start, like, crafting my idea of, like, these are guys that I'm targeting. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I think the same thing. Kind of similar to how you would play fantasy, fantasy sports, basketball, football, whatever. Like, you're always looking for opportunity. It's it's You can't just go in and be like, well, 
think this player is great and going to have a big night tonight. Like that's, that's not how you do it. You got to look for the opportunity and especially know too, I don't play a lot of star lines just because those are the public names. Really? Those, those are the places where the books have spent the most time sharpening the lines and losing the value for us. And so I'm looking a lot more at, you know, like you said, who's replacing Kemba or who's coming in off the bench for the injury guy, or who's the eighth man that, Hey, why do we have a three point line for this guy today at plus four fifty to hit one? I have no idea if he's making threes. Let me do the math and, and see about this. So I'm kind of just looking for opportunity and then looking at the line, same thing, looking for an opportunity where I'm like, huh, I don't actually know about this line. Let me do a little digging and see about it. So yeah, what let's talk about some of the individual different stat categories. So if you're looking to play a points category, so it could be a points over under three pointers over under what kind of prompts you to think, okay, I should be playing this guy today on that one. So I usually look at shot attempts more so than, you know, actual points. Uh, and, and I also like to use median numbers in terms of what their actual output has been versus their averages versus their mean averages. Anyway, uh, I think that they're a little bit more reliable. I think they're more, they're easier to understand. And I also just think that the opportunity is usually what matters more so than somebody just having a seven for seven night shooting the basketball. You know, if somebody's taking 20 shots, uh, but they made seven, but I was thinking maybe they'd make 10, uh, that I'd rather have that scenario than, you know, looking at somebody's history and saying like, oh, well, this guy shot a hundred percent three games in a row because it's really not sustainable at all. Yeah, exactly. And, and on three pointers, even more so because you're dealing with a smaller sample there. And so yeah, you really have to watch, especially if it's a big man, you know, like a guy that only is shooting, making one or two shots a game. And I really feel like books are overreacting a little bit on the line. Sometimes it's like, oh, this dude just made two threes in his last couple of games. But so we're going to push his line up like, oh, well, he was two for two, two games in a row like that. That does not tell me that he's going to keep making two three pointers. If anything, that tells me he's not going to keep making two three pointers a game because he's probably only getting two up and he's got to make both of them. So if suddenly there's like a line at one and a half, I'm thinking I want to go under probably. I'm going to look back more than just the two games, but I'm paying much more attention today to the shot number, not how many actually got made the last time out. Your percentages over time, that's just, that's random. We can't control that. Like we have no way to predict. I'm not, I don't know about you, but like, I'm not checking the Celtics defense to see what's their three point percentage allowed or anything like that. That's too far down the rabbit hole. What I can predict is attempts and, and like how many shots they might get up. Like you and I talked about Cade Cunningham uh, and, and playing his three pointers over because dude, Cade cannot hit, he can't hit a shot, but the dude is getting up like seven, eight, nine, three pointers a night. And you know, he's shooting like 20% or some absurd number, but they it's keep so bad. that. Yeah. It's terrible, but they keep having his line at like one and a half. And it's like, that's not hard math to do. If, if you look and the guy's probably going to get eight shots up and you only need to make two of those to get your over, you should play that bet today because, you know, you only have to hit a quarter of the shots that you're getting up. So yeah, yeah. points and three pointers that way. Uh, what about some of the other stats? What are some of the other like tools that you might use? Uh, well, one of the things that I like to look at is obviously I use our props tool a little bit, but I'll do some diving on, you know, even basketball reference and just sorting 
different history of like what a guy's player, what, what a guy has done against the team or, you know, what he's done in the past couple games. And I try to look at some of that information and make decisions, but also like dunks and threes has some really good stuff in terms of pace. And, and the one thing I know Matt and Raheem talked about it, I guess it would be the last buckets pod now, but they talked about how dunks and threes has data about offensive time of possession and how that can actually be like a little bit better indicator of pace. So uh, on Wednesday night, there was a game with the Hornets and the Bucks, And those are two teams that are not only they play fast, but their underlying metrics about the time of possession were also fast. So if you can see some a couple of teams that are looking like that, where you're going to get more opportunity or less opportunity that I think that that's a good angle to look at too. Um, besides just the raw numbers. Yeah, for sure. And uh, by the way, listeners, we are recording this Wednesday evening just before the big slate of games. So this will, you'll be listening to this on Friday when it comes out. But just in case you're wondering the, kind of where the numbers are cutting off for us. So we'll talk, I think, about some of our plays that we have coming up on Wednesday. So you'll know the answer by then. We don't know yet on how our plays worked out. I'm sure we will both be rich and you'll be rolling the dough as well. Uh, yeah, I, I, basketball reference, there's a lot of tools on there especially if you if you can sort by when you got some of these guys who are coming in off the bench and suddenly playing in a starter role or suddenly you've noticed that you know they've gone from 18 minutes a game to 30 minutes a game because of the injuries like you can you can do it the hard way you can just go you know sort by minutes and start tallying on your own but if you look at the splits especially you can do some of that quick and dirty there of like you can see the splits starter versus reserve you can see the splits from one season versus another one or splits from 20 to 29 minutes, 30 to 39 minutes. So, you know, yeah. there, there are ways like that. There, there are other tools out there that can help you. Certainly, like you said, our props tool and our minutes projections, like that, that has to be the place to start. So make sure to take a look at that if you haven't yet. Uh, for assists, I like to look at NBA.com. You can see the, the potential assists there. It's hard to tell that just looking at a player. So we'll, we'll come back to that with Kate Cunningham in a bit. And I'll talk about how that has played out with him. A lot of Cade talk today. Yeah, um, we love Cade. <laughs> yeah, I, I like to play combo props. It, if I look at our props tool and, you know, I, I sort by one team at a time and I look at a team like, okay, what's there for this team? And if the first like six things are all the same player and they're all overs, my first thought is, okay, do I agree with this? Why, why does our tool like this player today? Oh yeah, it's because you know, Shetty Osman is playing a lot of minutes tonight because the Cavs are missing 700 players again. And so high minutes equals opportunity, opportunity equals numbers. Somebody's got to get shots up. Someone's going to control the ball. So a lot of times if I'm playing like a role player type or a, a elevated role type, then I like a combo play because you never know if Osman's going to hit his shots that night. But if he's just playing 40 minutes and like taking on 30% usage because they have to, well, you're probably going to get, if his shots don't go in, maybe his teammates did. So you get the assists in there and he's playing 40 minutes. Minutes are the best uh, indicator to me to rebounds. Rebounds are the most easily predictive of just, are you out there? Are you playing? If you're out there and playing, you get the rebounds kind of per minute there. So a combo prop, meaning points plus rebounds, points plus rebounds plus assists, you get you get the added edge of if I think you're playing a lot more than the book seems to think, 
then I have an edge at points and at rebounds and assists. So I may as well stack all those together and, and kind of get the combo that way. Yeah, a hundred percent. I, I like that angle a lot. And I think that it gives you some leeway uh, just because if, if you do have a guy that has his minutes spike, maybe he just doesn't have a lot of assists that day. Um, but you know, maybe, but it might be because he's scoring the basketball a lot. So it gives you a little bit of leeway and usually you're going to have to pay that like extra one point or like one number, but I think it can be worth it for the flexibility with, with that type of prop. Right. And it helps to cover your butt a little bit. Like if you do miss a lot of shots, but happen to get like three extra rebounds and you kind of, rather than playing them individually or single game, parlaying them together, you got to hit everything. The combo gives you a little buffer zone. So if the one stat is good, it maybe picks up for the other one that wasn't. Uh, one other thing I want to mention here, it's important with props to remember, this is not the same as just picking a side or playing a total over or under win or lose. Those are binary. You either win or you lose. That's it. So props are props. You still have to win or lose, but there's no like, did this team win at 98 points or higher or lose or like they're, they're not setting lines on it at props. The books have set lines and their alternate lines all throughout. So you got to pay attention to over and under in the line, but you've got to watch the juice, especially because with props, I mean, you should always be watching the juice. I think as better as it's easy to overlook that a lot of times, like minus one Oh five, one ten, one fifteen. you just want to get the win. But with props, I play props that are, I had one today. That's a minus one seventy. I would never play that on, on a win or a loss because like, what, what are we doing? Like, why is the line so wrong? Yeah. But especially on props, you know, if the line is like one and a half, you, you can't switch the line to two and a half. That's a huge difference when the line is that low. The only way they can really adjust is to push the number to minus 170 or plus 300 or something like that. So there, there's another tool at, at our site, the implied odds calculator. I know I'm on there a lot. Joe, you're on there a lot too. I love math. Yeah. I love math. Lots of math. Props, you've got to play the math on props. And, and like, this is where I love doing the math on props because I can look, especially now, a quarter late in the season and say, okay, 20 games in, we've hit this one eight times. That's 40%. Now, normally you might be like, well, I shouldn't play it then because 40%, I want to hit at least 50%. But look at the number. And if the number is saying I'm getting plus 180 on this one. Well, plus 180 implied is better for me, the better than it is to, to skip out on the 40%. 40% is plus 150. So I'm getting a little extra money there. This actually is in my favor still. So you got to exactly. watch, watch the juice and watch the numbers on those for sure. Yeah. And there's not like key numbers the same way right. as with, you know, with totals or more so with football than basketball with the key numbers. But so it's, it's really just about the math behind it. And, you know, you can handicap it a little bit um, to say, well, like this just isn't going to happen, but you know, cause you don't have to take, you don't have to take every bet. That's like, we say <laughs> like, yeah, there's, there's, there's value here, but uh, you know, it's the math is definitely a way to determine whether or not it's actually a fair line to take. For sure. And, and, and if you're going to play that way, if you're going to watch the juice and not just play the ones close to minus a hundred, you've got to understand too, that the goal here is to win money, not necessarily to win the highest number of bets. Like oh, yeah. at the end of the day, RO, I mean, that again, should always be the goal, but with props, especially ROI needs to be the thing you're watching. You know, you could play a lot of minus 200 bets 
And you could be winning those 60% of the time and being like, yeah, 60% as a better, you're winning 60%. You're feeling pretty good. But if your bets are all minus 200, you're just slowly giving your money to the casino. So that's not going to work out for you. And vice yeah. versa, if you're playing long shot props, you know, we've been playing some we'll talk about that are plus 300 or plus 500. We got to know when you put your money in, it's more than likely you're not getting it back. But if it does hit, then you're getting it back enough. And when you play a plus 500, that's an implied 17%. You have to know that if I play that five times, I'm likely, if I'm right about this bet, maybe I think I'm going to win twice where the books only think I'm going to win once. So I might lose tonight, but if I play five of these, I'm going to end up getting you know five times ROI back by, by the time I get there, but I've got to be patient and take some losses. Yeah, you got to have the way. stomach for it. It's just, you know, sure. you're going to see some fluctuations in those accounts. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but I think it's more fun that way. Uh, boy, have I been seeing some fluctuations in my accounts lately? <laughs> uh, let's, let's talk about just a few of the props, just so listeners can know what are some of the props that we've been hammering lately? Sometimes it's easy to like, again, if you're playing a side, you can't just be like, Oh, I like this team. I'm just going to keep playing them every night because the line is moving and it's a new matchup and all that. With props, a lot of times you can just go back to the well because especially books can be slow adjusting. And so give, give me a couple of props that you've been playing a lot lately that work for you. So one guy, I like I like him this year. I liked him last year, uh, Miles Turner. Um, the past couple games, he's actually been in a little bit of a slump lately, but I like betting his blocks over. A lot of times they put it at two and a half. and you're getting plus money on it very often. You know, I think the most recent line that I saw was over two and a half blocks at plus 140. You know, so this is a line he's crossed that threshold in 50% of his games this season. So when you're getting that plus number on a guy that historically averages a lot of blocks and he's crossing that, he's crossing the prop number. I'm not as concerned about the average here because if he, he's got a couple of games where he's got six blocks, five blocks, four blocks, that doesn't matter to me as much as him crossing the two and a half threshold. So he's somebody that I've been looking for. He's in a little bit of a downturn right now, um, especially coming off. He's been sick a little bit. Uh, so I might wait to bet him uh, again, but he's definitely somebody that I always like to look for in terms of a, a blocks prop anyway. Yeah. I've been doing a Mo Bamba blocks a lot. His is at one and a half usually. So Bamba's averaging 2.2 blocks a game. I mean, the dude is like 10 feet tall. So if he's just out there, he's going to block shots every now and then just with Gumby. his Gumby arms. Yeah. yeah. So he, he's had, he's had a block at least one in 19 of 21 games. So I like to look at that too. That's the floor is basically one and I only need two. So again, you can wait, like you can be sitting at one for an agonizing 47 and a half minutes of game and still get that over one time at the end there. Uh, and so yeah, he's over one and a half blocks, 13 out of 21. I'm going to keep playing that one. And that line is fluctuating around too, because again, you can't move it to two and a half. He's not going over two and a half enough. So the books can't really adjust the line enough. All they can do is adjust the juice, but he's kind of like halfway over the one and a half, but not quite to two and a half. So it's a sweet spot that's been working. Brandon Ingram assists. Usually his assist line is three and a half. And I don't know why it should be four and a half. I think they they really ought to have moved it up by now. He's been over three and a half, 13 out of 16 games. I mean, the guy's a pretty good playmaker and no Zion. So when Zion comes back, I'm out. I, I want no part in it. It's going to totally change how the team looks. But right now they haven't adjusted yet. Even 
of the three that he went under, two of them, he had three. So we missed by one assist. So yeah. I'm going to keep playing that one. Evan Mobley rebounds another one. That's one where the books are slowly starting to adjust. But start of the season, his rebounding over under was five and a half. And he was consistently smashing that. And then it's gone to six and a half and even occasionally seven and a half now. But he's had seven or more rebounds, 13 out of 17 games so far and seven straight right now. And he's hitting some high numbers too. He's averaging eight a game. So they just haven't, the books haven't quite got there yet. So if you find one that works, you just got to keep playing it. Uh, what, what are yeah. a couple other ones you like? So I've been really hitting Patty Mills a lot uh, lately with Joe Harris's injury. So this is kind of something that I was looking at uh, in terms of where the opportunity was. So Mills, when he's coming off the bench and splitting more time with Harris, he was only playing about 24 minutes. Now he's playing closer to 30. And he's getting a lot more opportunity with Harden and Durant's, you know, gravity, basically pulling guys off of them. So uh, he's somebody that I look for. Um, he's, he's been, they've been sitting it at 12 and a half or 13 and a half, and he's averaging like 18 points a game. So uh, over the past, like seven or eight game stretch without Harris. So he's somebody that I'm looking for. Uh, and he, he's a microwave scorer. I mean, the guy, the guy just gets hot and then he doesn't miss. He's super efficient on his opportunities too. So, and then one other point guard that I was looking at was Tyrese Maxey on the Philadelphia 76ers. So when he was playing without Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris, he was just scoring. Uh, and he was dropping, you know, 20 points a game minimum uh, for a couple couple games or a couple weeks stretch, really. But now that they're back, one thing that I've been looking for, and this is like a change in opportunity type of deal, he's clearly deferring to Embiid and Harris. So we've actually seen his um, his assist percentage spike up, and it's gone up from like low teens to upper twenty to tw- from the low teens and mid twenties to like in the thirties. Uh, and he's getting a lot more opportunity with that. So I'm actually pivoting into assists right now. And I think that this is something that you guys can look for moving forward just because it's a different opportunity for him. And it's something that although his averages are not there, uh, you're getting a really good number because the books are saying, well, if you if you look up his stats, you're going to say, well, he's not averaging that like he's averaging less than that. But if you really think about the new role, the new situation, this is a good spot for him. Yeah. And the great uh, thing, you know, the great thing is we know Embiid's going to miss time again. So when Embiid yeah. goes back out, then you pivot right back to the points because guess what? It's going to go the other way. The scoring exactly. average is going to slowly dip over the next couple of weeks with Embiid and Tobias. And then that line will move down a little bit. And then suddenly when those guys miss time, he goes back to being the focal point scorer and you, you pivot back that way. So yeah, like we're saying, hammer it when it's there and hit the edge that you like. But you got to be ready to be nimble and switch off of it. Uh, when we when we talked about doing this podcast, one of my go to props here I was going to do our guy Cade Cunningham back to Cade again. Uh, yeah, I, he we've been playing his over assess over five and a half. He'd hit seven straight in a row, and you can see too. We talked about potential assists before, so that's like basically if we're playing pickup and I pass you the ball and you take the shot, I get a potential assist. Whether you made it or not, if you make it, I get the actual assist. If you didn't, well, you know, work on your jumper. I still get a potential assist out of it. It's like yeah. the Rudy Gobert of, of screen assists. And we got sprint assists now, apparently. Like, There's how many so more many fake things. Rudy Gobert stats do we need? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so Cade is a good a good pivot one, too, because basically what happened is Killian Hayes went out. 
and Killian is running point. Cage should be running point, but they haven't quite got there yet. They're going to eventually give it time. But with Killian out, that meant a lot more time on the ball with Cage. So you see his assist numbers go up and you're like, okay, well, is that real? Or is he just getting lucky? Are the guys just hitting shots? If you look and you see the games with Killian, he's averaging Cade is about six potential assists a game. Suddenly when he's out and you're seeing those up, he's doubled to like 12 potential assists a game. Now the last two games, as of Wednesday, he's back down to Cade, only just two assists and one assist. Well, guess what? Killian is back. And you look at the numbers, Killian's potential assists nine a game the last two games. Cade right back down to six again, right back in the role where he was as this very secondary playmaker. So, you know, the Pistons are going to get there. They're going to figure out what we all know, which is give the ball to Cade. He's your number one pick. It's not Killian time anymore. But yeah, it's not rocket science here. Right. you, you, you got to pivot away from the assist over. And if anything, you might be able to pivot to the assist under suddenly uh, with Cade. So I, I haven't done that yet, but as I'm explaining that now, I'm like, oh, maybe I should be playing that one. So I know unders just aren't as fun, but <laughs> they're not, they're, they're, they're very ex- existential dread. Although under is generally, te- if you can find the right angles, you know, there's just, there are more ways to go under, like you can just have a blowout and then sit the fourth quarter out. You can leave with whatever injury you happen to have. You get ejected. You get foul trouble and not get a lot of minutes that way. You just, you know, have bad things happen. Raheem likes to bet against human achievement. So that's a good one. Raheem probably plays a lot more unders than we do because it's a lot of betting against human achievement. But, you know, whatever's profitable. Yeah, it's it's definitely an angle. It is. Uh, All right. So before we get out of here, we want to talk a little bit about something that Joe and I have been talking about offline a little bit. Uh, we're calling it a new thing that we're doing calling escalator props. So let me set the premise here. Basically, a lot of times when I look at a prop and there's, okay, here's a guy at 15 points a game over or under. And I'm like, well, you know, his median or his, his median, his mean, his average all around 15. But, you know, maybe it's a Lou Williams or a Jamal Crawford type where I'm like, all right, dude's not scoring 15 tonight. He either scores five or he scores 30. And over time, it's going to average back out to the middle. But that's not a very valuable prop for me to play because I have no idea if I'm getting 30 or 5 tonight. Well, that's where alternate lines can come in and really make it more profitable. Somebody like that where you're like, well, if I do hit this over, I think I have a good chance to go over by a bunch. So a good example is tonight as of Wednesday, again, when you listen to this. So I'm doing a Daniel Gafford escalator prop. So Gafford for Washington, this could go very badly. I could look very dumb when when they listen to this by now, because here's the problem with Gafford. Sometimes he just doesn't play, you know, he just randomly gets like 14 minutes and you get like one rebound and one block and he just doesn't have it that night. So that's the problem. But look, if we go under, we go under. I don't care if we miss by a half a rebound or seven rebounds. Those are still losses. Either way, it doesn't matter to me just how bad of a loss I took. I just want to win. So right now, Gafford's last five or last seven games, he's had two clunkers under 15 minutes, but the other games, his minutes are ticking up. His rebounds are up. He had been averaging a little under 20 minutes a game and about four and a half rebounds. The first 11 games, this recent stretch, he's at 24 minutes a game and 9.4 rebounds a game. So basically double. So here's how I did the escalator prop. You can play as over six and a half rebounds plus 114 when I played it. But if you look at some of the alternate lines, you can also play over seven and a half. So one rebound higher plus 190 
and you can go over nine and a half plus 450. So rather than just picking the alternate line and trying to kind of guess where I think he ends up, I think probably eight or nine is most likely if he gets the minutes. But instead, I'm going to do sprinkle a little bit at each level, kind of like when you play an underdog side in a game. And if it's like they're plus four and you pick them, well, if they cover the plus four, you're going to be close enough to maybe win. You should play a little on the money line, too. So that's kind of the premise of the escalator prop is, okay. if Gafford gets over six and a half rebounds at plus 114, which I'm playing for a full unit, then he only needs one more rebound to hit my plus 190, one spot higher. So let me play maybe a full unit on that, too. There's only one board away. And if he gets that, now he's at eight. Now I'm only two away from a a four and a half to one hit at the 10 rebounds. I'm not going to add a full unit on that one, but maybe I start to kind of escalate down. Maybe I do a full unit at the first level, half at the second one and a quarter after that or something like that. And, you know, there's a chance that Gafford just gets benched and I lose all my units on all the different levels. And it's going to go 0 and 3. Yeah, it happens. It it certainly has happened. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's rough. But but, so that's the premise. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree with it. I usually try to at least, if you only wanted to use one unit total, um, I try to make it so that whatever my bet is on the original line would likely cover the rest of the alternate escalators. Um, So, uh, but I think it depends because sometimes it's not even worth, it might not actually be worth playing the original line uh, in some instances, because it's like, like, it's like you said, Brandon, it's like, they're either going to do nothing or they're only going to go way higher. So yeah. uh, like one guy that we did that with yesterday, we talked about it a little bit or so on Tuesday was uh, Scotty Barnes. And what we saw was we saw that Scotty Barnes all of a sudden took like nine threes uh, one game after not taking more than four, like ever all season hadn't made more than four. Like he made four. So we were, we were talking about, it, I was like, we should bet this again. And uh, rather than take the over, 0.5 we just skipped right to two plus and three plus and the two plus was at plus 450 and then three plus was at plus 1950 uh and he wound up hitting three like two of which were in garbage time uh but it was still electric the best and, time <laughs> uh, yeah that's the best time so that's somebody to scotty Barnes, is somebody to look for too uh moving yeah. forward because it, it looks like that's by design but also it might have been in part because of some of the injuries to like OG Ananubi, uh, Ken Birch and Gary Trent Jr. just not playing. And they're saying, well, we got to spread the floor a little bit. So they're going to give him a shot. So it's definitely something to be careful about. But that's definitely the theory is that you can look at the math and look at some of the opportunity here and say, eh, like, why not? You know? Yeah. Well, it's kind of like when you are playing like a, a same game parlay sort of thing. If you're doing that right, it shouldn't just be like, well, here's this player and here's this pick and here's a third thing. Yeah, it's all the same game. Let me just throw them together. Like the whole point that books are not treating it that way. Books are not treating that as a straight parlay. They're treating, they're, they're lowering your odds each time because they know that what happened on one bet is not independent of the other one. That's the whole point yeah. of it being in the same game. And so if you play, you know, it, it, we'll talk about Patty Mills. If you play Patty Mills to score 30 plus in a game, and then you're like, well, if he scores 30, he'll probably get at least four assists because he's obviously going to be out there a lot. So you add in the four assists, you're not getting the full credit for that because the book is also like, yeah, duh, we know that he's going to get the four assists. 
So exactly. this is kind of like, this is a different version of that of saying like, well, if Scotty, like how many, how many uh, three pointers does Scotty attempt in, in your win? So he took six last game, which, yeah. so he, that's shooting better than he normally does for right. three point range. But like the game before he took nine. Right. So when we had talked about it, we were saying, well, he's a 30 ish percent shooter from three point range. If he takes nine again, he's going to hit three. He's definitely going to hit two. So I think that's the way to look at it. It's like, think about, okay, I have an edge here. Is this edge going to be available even for multiple games? Or is it going to be something that I basically have to hit right now before books start adjusting or somebody comes back from injury or the circumstances are just totally different. So with these, with this type of escalating and tiered prop betting, you can really take advantage of the edge that you think you have rather than betting basically even money at, you know, say over, over a half, I'm saying, well, I think that there's way more edge here on, on another line. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, I, I like doing it with rebounds. Like I talk about Gaff- Gafford's rebounds uh, over the last week. I played Jared Vanderbilt from Minnesota, played his rebounds. That was kind of the, one of the first ones we did. That one yeah. was a joy because the, I think the original line was over six and a half rebounds. Dude had eight rebounds six minutes into the game. That was <laughs> like electric. I, it, it, it was a lot of fun. I was actually out with, at the start of the game and my phone got lit up with mentions of just like, oh my God, we hit the over in the first quarter. But here's the <laughs> thing. If you only played that over, like that, that kind of sucks because you missed an opportunity. He has eight rebounds already. You bet the over six and a half and it turned out he got to 15 rebounds that night. So I played him to hit eight rebounds also and 10 rebounds and I played a double double. So that was kind of my way of escalating that he didn't get the double double. He ended up with eight points. He didn't get the eight and the 10, which I think was like a a five to one hit. I could have kept going though. You know, he ended up with 15 rebounds. I forget what it was, but I think 14 plus rebounds was probably like 30 to one or like some absurd number. Yeah. Yeah. So Clint Capella, I think we had that same night or next night. That was one where was like, okay, yeah. yeah, Capella is, is a monster rebounder. He led the league in rebounding last year, and then he started a little slow this year, so the average was down. So I looked at the props, but I'm like, well, over 11 and a half is recommended, but it's, it's thinking he's going to put up like 14 and a half rebounds tonight. So I don't, I don't need those extra three rebounds. I don't need to just feel good about my bet. Like, yeah, see how right it was? He got 15 tonight. No, let me profit more from that. So we yeah. did the over 11 and a half and then played 14 plus and 16 plus and you're up hitting all three of those. So yeah. y- you're risking more, or like you said, you can just take your one unit and kind of break it up into smaller parts accordingly. Yeah. Like you said, I kind of do, if I feel pretty good that the initial bet is going to hit, then I maybe just assume that whatever winnings I have from that is what I'm betting on, you know, the future exactly. escalator ones. Yeah. So I mean, and if you want to get weird and just YOLO it, you know, like you can just, you could just keep putting full units on everything if you think you're going to be that right. But uh, it's definitely, that's definitely where you start getting into the volatility of it and your bankroll management and everything else. And you're like, well, well, that doesn't look great. You know, it's like, you just have L, 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 but you know, obviously if they hit and you were right, but that's, that's also part of the thing. It's like, when you see these odds, you're not going to hit them every time. Like we're just looking at it because we think that there's an edge there. And if he does, if we think that in that spot, we, if we expect to be so right and he's going to go and whoever the player is, is going to go way over like Capello or Vanderbilt, 
those you're never going to get those lines again. So right. if you can take advantage of it initially, I think that's really the time to pounce on it, you know? Yeah, for sure. Like Capella is a good example. Basically you get that one big game. You better have taken advantage of it because after that, guess who else noticed the books and they adjusted his line and now you can't play it for those big, those big odds again. So, you know, a lot, a lot of math here. Got it. You got to sit down and crunch the numbers. Got to look at the implied probabilities, implied probabilities. So make sure to use, you know, a lot of tools on actionnetwork.com that I know I'm on there all the time with the different, the props tool, the implied probability tool, lots of different stuff on there to, to check out. So uh, we should probably wrap this up. Do you have anything else to add on to this before we get out of here? No, just, you know, let's get this bread. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's get it. Let's get this, this bread. Let's get these escalator props and see if this is a thing. Uh, so you can find Joe at, at Joe Delera and of course, all of his good articles at Action Network. You know where I'm at. We'll be back at Buckets next week, as usual, Monday episode for the fantasy picture. Tuesday, we got the big picture uh, look at what's happening around the league with Raheem and Matt Moore and I. And then Wednesday workshop with Matt and Raheem. And of course, back Friday on another happy hour. We hope you like the special prop edition. Let us know. Hit us up on Twitter if you like this. And we'll try to do this again sometime. And we will see you next time. Let's get buckets.